Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations about all things, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and today we're going to be talking to a young woman who is ready to break the model minority myth. Today's guest is Needy Shastri. She's been a writer, a speaker, a college radio newscaster. Living in Illinois, she's developed a wide range of communication skills and used them to help those who sometimes feel unrepresented in the broader culture. And she's doing this as the producer and host of Model Minority Uniquely American Podcast. Please help me welcome Needy Shastri to the show. How are you doing today, Needy? Hi, I'm doing really great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're in Chicago right now, and it's uh, later in the evening, so I do appreciate your time. But let's just start from the beginning. Tell me about your life growing up in, in Illinois. Yeah, of course. So, wow, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> my life growing up. <laughs> um, so I grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and so um, kind of near O'Hare Airport, if people are familiar with that area. Um, and I very fortunately grew up in a very diverse area. And so we kind of had people from all over the world, and we had a very, very multicultural class at my school throughout my whole um, education. And so that really put um, a big indent on me and the way that I look at the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I also experienced, um, you know, I grew up in a single parent immigrant household um, that was also low income. And so through that experience, I knew firsthand that, you know, this model minority myth, it exists. Okay. But, um, you know, it's what people think of me, but it's not really who I am. It's never really pertained to my experience. And so um, through those experiences, I think that really formed like my views about the world, my views about my community, about other minority communities, um, and how, you know, I feel like there's a lot of room for solidarity. There's mm-hmm. a lot, there's a lot of room to change our stereotypes that we have today. Um, and that sort of shaped me into who I am today and all the things that I do now. So tell me a little bit about your ethnic background. Yeah, for sure. So I am Indian American. Um, My mom and dad are both from Gujarat, which is a state in India. Um, It's west of India. And so it's like on the border of Pakistan and India. Um, And we're Gujarati is like sort of a ethnic slash tribal group. It's a state group. Um, We all speak Gujarati. So um, probably the most common language in India is Hindi, and then Gujarati is kind of similar to that, but really only spoken in the state of Gujarat and then in some places in Pakistan. Um, and so that's kind of where I come from. And my family's from a big city in India called Ahmedabad. Okay. So, you know, when your family came over um, to the United States and you, you were raised here, how is it for you? Did you really, you know, were you really involved with your own community and your culture or did you assimilate to, you know, being in the United States and, and trying to represent, you know, did you represent your culture? Well, I, I guess growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. Uh, my knee jerk reaction to that is no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, you know, growing up in this area, although it was very diverse, um, we still had sort of this overlying narrative of like, 
um, different stereotypes for different minorities. Um, we all believed them. We all, you know, sort of perpetuated them to each other, even though we were predominantly minority um, until we sort of got older and started realizing like it's all, you know, a bunch of crap. Right, <laughs> um, right. But yeah, so initially, like, I would say that I struggled a lot growing up. Like, I was very ashamed of my culture. I was ashamed of my parents' accent. I was ashamed of my own skin color and my own, the way I talk or the way I pronounce things or the food that I bring. You know, the classic immigrant struggle. I definitely felt that a lot. Um, and so I, I think I tried a lot as a kid to distance myself from my ethnicity and try to assimilate as much as I possibly could. Um, I secretly love Bollywood films, but when I was a kid, I wouldn't dare mention that to anybody. <laughs> so um, it was those kind of things that I really struggled with my identity back then. So do you think you found yourself in a constant battle between your parents who came over? Did they pretty much keep the traditions, you know, you said you were raised um, in a sing with a single parent, you know, single parent. Did, mm -hmm. did they try to keep that culture within your family structure or did they allow you to assimilate? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I'd say it's a little bit of both. Um, okay. I, I grew up, I was very lucky slash am very lucky. I have a very progressive, um, strong mother, and she definitely has kept our culture alive, our traditions alive. Um, we're also Hindu, and so she's kept our religious traditions alive, and she sort of passed those down to us, um, even if we don't fully understand them all the time. And so... I definitely think that she's worked very hard to keep them alive. And I think that's paid off as I've gotten older. And once I started accepting myself and embracing my identity more, I was able to really reap the benefits of like being able to speak my language and being able to understand certain religious ceremonies or even just being able to relate to other South Asians. So growing up, did you find yourself playing this dual role of needy being at home and then needy, the girl that everybody knows in Chicago? <laughs> um, yes, definitely, definitely. I felt like I sort of checked my Indianness or Desiness. Um, Desi is a term we use to refer to like South Asians, um, mm -hmm. and I sort of checked that at the door whenever I went out to school or to hang out with my friends or anything. And then at the same time, you know, I would come home and I would come home to a dinner of our own like warm cooked Indian food and stuff. And so I was definitely living sort of a dual personality lifestyle, I guess. No, that, yeah, no, you're not alone. There's a lot of uh, young people that, you know, have followed in that steps. And so for you, when was it when you've made the click like, hey, I need to start embracing my culture a little bit more. I need to start speaking up for my culture. When did that all take place? Yeah, I think um, that probably started late high school, but mostly in college. Um most of my friends from high school, honestly, they're still my friends today, thank God. And they're all amazing people. And we've all sort of um, gone through this whole phase in college where we, we really understood. We took a critical lens to like everything we've believed and everything we've been led to believe our whole lives about ourselves and about other communities. And um, we've learned to like embrace ourselves. So throughout college, you know, I got involved in activism. I studied poli sci um, and environmental sci. And I started to realize, um, you know, really what it felt like to be in a marginalized community in a different way. Like before, when I was at home, it was like, okay, we were all low income. We all came from like, you know, different family structures. A lot of my friends were Latino. A lot of my friends were African-American. And so like, we all just sort of bonded over that. And it was never a big deal. But when I got to college, I found myself stratified between these 
Asians who were at the university who came from very wealthy two-parent families um, who were very successful at school. And then myself, who was, you know, struggling with the basic things and trying to figure out how to pay for school while also um, working and also studying and being successful there. Um, And it actually led me to almost drop out a few times. And so, yeah. And so um, I really had to bring myself back from that. And um, through that work, I started getting involved more with like activism on campus. I took a job with university housing, teaching about social justice and multiculturalism. Um, And through that, I was able to actually gain the knowledge to start explaining, you know, the different stereotypes in our society, why they're harmful and like what we can sort of do about it. No, I love that. I love that. That's how it led you to there. And so then how did that lead you to starting up your podcast, Model Minority Uniquely American? Yeah, my podcast is kind of like my passion project. Um, It began, of course, like everything else, just as an idea that I had that I was too afraid to act on. Um, And so while I was studying at U of I, um, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, I had been experiencing these things of like, okay, there is a difference. There's a class difference between certain Asians on campus and other Asians on campus. And then there's also a cultural difference between East Asians and South Asians and Southeast Asians and like who gets overlooked in those categories. Right. And Mm -hmm. so as I was sort of teaching these things through my job and um, teaching classes on it and all that, um, I also worked at a radio station on campus and, um, I sort of had these skills of public speaking and, you know, researching and all that. And so I decided to combine them all um, and take a leap and create this podcast. Um, And so I applied for a grant at my university um, for it was from the Gender Women's Studies building. So it was for like women who are pursuing like a creative project. And I luckily got the grant. And through that, I bought myself a microphone. I bought myself a recorder and um, I downloaded some free editing software. (laughs) And I started, you know, just making it I started by interviewing my professors on campus. And then I sort of went from there. That is awesome. Good for you. That definitely I love (laughs) that. I love that. I mean, I'll, I don't know if you had heard before, but I have come from a radio background. Um, So I did radio for over 19 years here in San Diego. And uh, I too, when I joined, you know, in a big city like San Diego, um, noticing that there was not very many Asians in the radio industry. And I was here Mm -hmm. to represent that because early on I was like, Oh, I'm just going to be like everybody else. And I'm going to be that guy that's like, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? What's going on? And then it (laughs) turned into a way it turned into where I started talking about my parents and using the Filipino accent on the radio, which you're like, wait in San Diego, you're hearing some guy go, Hey, you know, I'm talking to my parents and I'm like, you know, so Uh it was, it was a way for me to go look. Asians, there's another person just like you that's on the radio. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that story. Good for you for, for uh, persevering like that. So tell me about your podcast. You, you said you started you know, interviewing your professors first and foremost, and then it turned into something else. What did it turn into? Yeah, so... I guess way back in the beginning, um, I started the podcast while I was still in college. I was finishing up my final semester, um, and I interviewed some of my professors. One was from the um, education department, um, but she had done a lot of research on Asian Americans in education, Um, and the other one was um, part of the African Studies Department, and she was an immigrant from Africa, and she was doing a lot of research on... uh, the African community in the United States. And she also had a very interesting story about how she immigrated and her struggles and things like that. And so um, I started with those because I knew that 
you know, this model minority myth exists and a Mm -hmm. lot of people really believe it, including some of us, some Asians really internalize it. Um, And I also broadened it up because, you know, growing up where I grew up, we had African students in my classroom and in my school who were also treated much like the Asians where it was like, oh, like you're really smart and you care a lot about education and you're wealthy and like all this stuff. Like there were all these stereotypes towards those students too. And so, I broadened up my category to include all Asians, um, all Middle Eastern immigrants, and then also all African immigrants, because I felt like we've all been constrained under this myth. Um, And so I wanted to make it holistic and have both research, um, personal narrative stories, and then also some things that I've experienced in my own life, just to make sure that everybody could get dual perspectives on this topic and see why it is actually a myth and why it's not just me sitting on a mic being like, this is false because I say so, you know? (laughs) So um, that's sort of how I developed it. And um, when I went back home after college to where I'm from, um, I knew a bunch of people in my community, my own friends who I grew up with, who you know, didn't exhibit this myth or have been through some very troubling times and stories that I felt needed to be heard. And so that's really just where I started. I started in my community with my friends and my family and people who I knew who were willing to share their story on my podcast. Are you able to share some of those stories with us to to let us know about like some things you've talked about? Oh, of course. Um, Let's see. There's a ton of great stories on there. Um, I do on my podcast. I have narrative episodes where it's like um, I'm narrating about a certain topic and then I bring in interviews and stuff like that into the episode. And then I also have a sub series called Immigrant Tales where it's people telling their own story of being an immigrant in this country. And like I add engaging music and sound effects to really bring it to life. And so um, let's see. One of the most impactful stories to me personally was that of Chu Mei Pang, who's a PhD. Well, she has a PhD now and she's working at University of Colorado Boulder. And she is just such an incredible human being. Um, she's been through so much. And she told her story about how she came to the U.S. from Burma on a visa lottery and um, how she had to struggle just to sort of find a job here, even though she came completely legally and stuff. Um, she was facing a lot of the same struggles that undocumented people face where she was getting underpaid under minimum wage. Um, she wasn't able to continue her education, even though that was the reason why she came here. Um, and she was struggling with the language barrier and with her accent and just sort of being ostracized because of her accent and people telling her like, hey, we can't understand you. And for that reason, you know, your education is kind of invalid. And so wow. to me, like, yeah, that was a very, very impactful story. And um, you can go, anybody can go listen to that one. It's an immigrant tale. So it's only about five to six minutes long. But yeah, very important story. So how long roughly are your podcasts? Um, so my main episodes, they I try to keep them at 30 minutes, but sometimes they go to like 45. Or if it's a lot of interviews, it might go to 50 minutes. Um, and then the immigrant tales are shorter. They're about five to 10 minutes tops. Okay. What's another topic that you discussed um, on your show that you felt was something that everyone needs to hear? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think 
I guess I can talk about one of my favorite episodes to make. Yeah. Um, it was a narrative style one. So it was one of the longer episodes. Um, and it's actually the last episode I've released. It's called Documenting Our Stories. And so um, I began the episode talking about Corky Lee, the photographer who recently passed away of COVID-19. Um, and he was just such an important figure for a lot of Asian Americans. Unfortunately, a lot of Asian Americans don't know who he was. Um, but he was somebody who documented... Um, like a lot of the activism that Asians have done throughout history, throughout his lifetime. And he did that because when he was young and he was in school, he didn't see any pictures of the Chinese Americans who built the railroads. And he was like, then I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to take pictures and document our community. So he was sort of the person who I based the episode around. Um, and so I went into the community and I interviewed somebody from the, well, two people from the Middle Eastern descent who um, have their own podcast called Community in Arabic centered in Chicago. Um, and they told me about their work. Um, I had Hena Baba, who's a wonderful journalist from California, um, and she's of African descent, and she is an immigrant as well. And so she told her story about getting involved in media um, and sort of trying to help get more representation for us. Um, and then I also had Randy Kim, who's another podcaster. He's Southeast Asian. Um, I had Jackie Yi, who's East Asian. She's a researcher. Um, and she talked a lot about her research on Asian Americans and activism. Um, and then I also had Sanjay Mishra and Lakshmi Sridharan. Sanjay Mishra is a professor who studies South Asian and their political behavior. And Lakshmi Sridharan is the executive director of South Asian Americans Leading Together, which is a nonprofit. So Lots of people on that episode, really, really deep dive episode about these different people who are just documenting us in real time right now. And just it's such a great, you know, feeling to make that episode because I'm just like, thank God these people were willing to share their story with me. And thank God, you know, they valued my work so much that they decided to share their voice on my platform because what they're doing is just incredible. And I'm so happy that I could help share it. No, especially nowadays, uh, the fact that a lot uh, and this is going to make me sound old, even though I'm not that old, but a lot of quote unquote <laughs> young people like yourself are starting to use technology. You know, you see with social media a lot more, especially with the new trends of TikTok and, you know, Instagram and people using that for activism and using that as a, a way to showcase their platform. But you're, you know, utilizing podcasts, which is another way to to get your voice out and to really, you know, sh showcase your community. So I do appreciate you, you know, using it for quote unquote good <laughs> than evil, you know? And so, <laughs> so thank you for that. So um, what, was there any episodes that really surprised you when you, you know, when you thought it was going to be this one way and it was going to be fine. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh Oh, wait a minute. This is totally not what I pictured. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Let me think about that surprised me I wouldn't say surprised me but I think um probably my episode on socioeconomic status and then mm -hmm. I'll say two of them the first one on socioeconomic status which was called crazy not so rich Asians um and the other one yeah <laughs> um and the other one is the racial wedge um and that's what the episode is called um and so to start with the crazy not so rich Asians episode you know I started off with my own experience thinking like okay 
I grew up in my community in a low income background. Um, right. I was on free and reduced lunch. And I know a bunch of other kids in my school who were also Asian or Middle Eastern or African who also had that experience. So, you know, let me talk to some of my friends and get their story. And so I think in that episode, I my friends opened up about things that I didn't even know until this point, you know, I'm 23 years old now. I probably interviewed them when I was 21. And so I didn't, I didn't even know these things about them until that point in my life during those interviews. And so, um, again, I'm just so grateful that I have friends who are willing to like share their stories so vulnerably like that. It's not easy. Um, and as storytellers, like we have to be very respectful and careful of other people's stories because, you know, they're entrusting us with their voice and their story. And so, um, that was a very interesting episode for me because I was able to understand like, you know, this is the way that a lot of my friends grew up as well. Like I'm not alone in that. Um, and then for the racial wedge episode, um, so I kind of knew this, you know, part of the model minority myth is that black Americans are being pit against Asian Americans. And that's one right. of the um, reasons why the myth was created to do that and to de devalue the work of African Americans. And so I was like, I really want to dig into this, not only for Asian Americans being pit against black Americans, but also other black Americans being pit against black Americans, because African immigrants are actually pit against African Americans and used as like a sort of comparison mechanism of like, oh, look at how hard these immigrants can work. Like, clearly, you guys are just being lazy. Right. And right. so um, it's a whole narrative that's really been strung out and created. And it, it's in every part of our society from media to education. And so um I got to really understand in that episode as I was researching the history of Black Americans and Asian Americans in this country, and not only the points in which we had tensions or faced troubles um, like the L.A. riots, but also the times when we came together, um, like when Asian American women came together with Black women to sort of create the term women of color, which was then extended to people of color. And so now this term people of color, the origins of that is with Black and Asian women coming together in solidarity and so um, for women's rights. And so it's things like those that are just like very inspiring to me and also very telling. It's always very interesting to learn our own history because often it's just not taught to us in schools. Are you are you sure you're 23? Because you <laughs> are, I mean, you're bringing up topics that I have gone through myself. I mean, the, the, the lunch thing is huge because I mm -hmm. remember being uh, low income, growing up low income and, and having, I was, I was reduced lunch. I wasn't free lunch, but I had the 40 cent mm -hmm. lunch uh, back in the day. And yeah. I was always embarrassed to be like, you know, my friends who were paying a dollar for their lunch. And I'm like, Oh I, I, yeah, I'm paying too. But I was embarrassed mm -hmm. to be paying 40 cents. And I was like, why was I embarrassed? Like I'm getting a discount. They're not, you know? So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. interesting that you, you brought up that, that, that really hits home for me. So where do you see this podcast going? Do you see this as a jumping off tool for something bigger? Do you foresee, you know, what, what are your big ideas or plans for this podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I'll say recently I haven't had as much time to release content just because I've been swamped. Um, I'm like moving and like doing a bunch of things. So things are still in the works. But um, yeah, you know, I think model minority is always going to be my passion project and it's always going to be what I come back to because it is where I started and it's really where my passion has always lied. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm definitely not planning on ending the series anytime soon. I still have quite a few stories I want to like 
release and talk about. Um, but I am sort of starting my career in podcasting and I'm trying to see where I can go with this. Um, you know, when I started Model Minority, I did so with the intention of working in podcasting because I know, um, I'm sure you know from your own experience, as you mentioned, the radio field is very stratified and, you know, there are a lot of white men, you know, in all the seats and there aren't very, um, it's not very diverse and inclusive. And so I really wanted to pursue this field and see what I can do because I feel like there are so many like creative visions that I have for projects or podcasts um, that I just sort of want to launch off of from here on out, but never forgetting the OG model minority. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. And I think there needs to be more people like you in radio. Like I said, you know, for me, uh, growing up and, and getting into radio, not even realizing that I, that's what I wanted to do. And when I got into the, the the industry, I followed suit and just did, you know, what people expected. And then I was like, wait, I can use this pa- you know platform to, you know, have my own agenda and have my own, uh, you know, uh, my ability to kind of educate people about my culture. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. I did. So I, I hope you do get into that industry, but yeah, keep your, your rate, your, uh, your, podcast as well, because that is definitely something that's going to be the future. I mean, it, it's here, but it's definitely going to get bigger <laughs> for you. Are Is your podcast, um, like, how does it come out once a week, once, uh, you know, daily? Uh, and where can we find it on uh, social media or any websites? Yeah, for sure. So right now it's kind of freestyle. Like I used to honestly release every um, two weeks, but recently, like it's been kind of whenever I have time and also right. ideas, um, you know, for next <laughs> for new episodes. But um, yeah, it's on most streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, If you're like me and you have an Android, I'm on Stitcher, um, Overcast, Radio Public, um, Listen Notes. So I just rattled off a bunch there, whichever one, you know, people prefer. And then I'm also on Anchor.fm. If you can't access a streaming service, um, that's a website. So you can visit that. Um, And then also, I think, if anybody wants to follow on um, social media, I have an Instagram page and a Facebook page, and that's just under my name, uh, Model Minority Uniquely American, or at Minority Model, I think is the tag. Um, mm-hmm. And most of all, most of all, if you're listening to this and you think to yourself, wow, I have a story like Needy, you know, like if you're an immigrant or if you're somebody who has grown up low income Asian American and like wants to share your story, please reach out to me because I would love to talk to you and connect with you and hopefully eventually share your story, whether it's on Immigrant Tales or through the narrative episodes. That's awesome. I love that. And also, Nidhi, is there anything else that is going on with you, like, you know, with your life and your career? Yeah. So I have some really exciting news that I just got, I think, like two weeks ago. Um, But I'm part of AIR New Voices. So AIR is Association of Independence in Radio. um, And it's a large organization of like freelancers and people who are sort of working in the audio um, and radio space, doing um, audio storytelling, podcasting, audio journalism. And so I'm part of this cohort of scholarship recipients that are like sort of the breaking through new voices in this field. um, And so I get the chance to like get some mentorship and go through some workshops that'll hopefully help me grow as a storyteller and as a podcaster, which is very exciting. But um, overall, it's just so cool. Like I'm so excited to finally have a chance to like learn and grow and start in this podcasting field um, as a professional. So that would be my big news of the day. (laughs) 
That's amazing. That's uh, congratulations. That's that's Thank great you. news. And you come from a really big radio city. I mean, I don't know how much you listen or what type of radio mm-hmm. you listen to, but I know like Man Cow in the morning used to be there, or I don't know if mm-hmm. he's still there, and Mojo in the morning. So you come from a really big radio industry as well. Um, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well. Well, Thank gosh, I, I, there's so much more we can talk to you, but hopefully, you know, as you progress and as you get more involved with, you know, your podcasting, feel free to reach out to us to, you know, promote whatever you would like to promote on this show. Oh, thank you so much. No, absolutely. And um, if you would like to learn more about today's show, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much, Needy, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. I'm Hula Ramos, and on behalf of my guest, Needy Shaw Street, we'd like to thank you for listening, and please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. Take care until next time.